blessing to see the Lord's house full. I was blessed by the song, In Thy Holy Place. And uh, Delwyn kind of took what I was going to say after I saw it, but just that picture it says in the top corner it says in God's or in his presence and that's where we are today that's what this day is all about is being in his presence and uh, here abiding and confiding we shall never want nor die that just spoke to me I guess if we could have a little time of prayer I don't know if Two brothers would lead out and then I'll close.
here in person, but we trust that you will speak through them to us today. So bless them, bless Andrew and whoever else would speak today, Lord. We call upon you in Jesus' name. Father, we come into your presence desiring more of you, desiring that you would speak to our hearts and that you would uh, quiet our hearts and help us to be still and to hear your voice speaking to us and Father as um, I preach that your word would go forth it would be of you and from you and that uh, the spirit of Christ would uh, minister to those hearts here thank you for each one and pray you'd uh, just be with us thank you for your son and for the work he did on the cross pray all these things in your name amen This morning I feel a little bit, um, I don't know if unprepared is the right word, I don't know if anybody else has this problem where you, a verse speaks to you and you start looking into it and a different thing than what you thought was going to come out comes out and then also I seem to be able to write it all down but I'm not sure how it's going to come out when I try and uh, talk about it here so I'll try and um, explain kind of what I'm trying to get across here and sometimes I guess bear with me and try and pay attention because I'm not sure I did the best job of putting it into words. <clears throat> so I want to look at grace and salt in Colossians 4. So if you want to turn there. Read one through six. <clears throat> Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. That verse 6 stood out to me. I was reading uh, the other morning. And let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And at first I thought, well, you know, your speech should be gracious and you should talk with grace but then also when I when I think of salt I usually think of like somebody is kind of salty they kind of sting you or like sting your I mean it's kind of like maybe the truth hurts type of idea but once I started looking into it there was a lot more in salt than I really ever thought so um, I want to look at a few things about salt so first of all salt is has value it's profitable so my first point is salt is profitable, um, especially in uh, early times. Salt w had a lot more significance in life. There was uh, a lot more value put on it than there is now. We have salt abundance now. Um, but I don't know if you know 
if you're aware, but uh, salary, the root word for salary is salarium, and that's where we get our word salary. I don't know if Pete knows that or not, but back, I guess back in the day, there were soldiers were paid in salt because it had value. And so um, when we're talking about salaries, we're using the word that's basically based in salt. Um, so it has value, and historically it's had value. There's even been whole wars fought over salt and salt mines, and even in the United States, there was two battles um, in the Civil War over a town that had a salt mine in it. <clears throat> so there's value in salt, and it's uh, profitable. The other point I have is salt preserves. So I'm going to look at salt, then I'll kind of change and go to the, can I say, the spiritual aspects of salt. So, so salt preserves. So we have the profit of salt, but then we also need to look at the preservation of salt. Salt was used to preserve things, even still is. You have salted meat, and years ago that was pretty significant when you had ships traveling across um, the ocean or going on a long journey. You didn't have refrigeration, or you couldn't buy meat readily, so they would salt um, lots of things to um, preserve them for long periods of time. So salt preserves. And then the third point is salt purifies. It has a... uh, it has a persevering influence, but it also has a uh, purifying influence. Um, so we talk about putting salt in a wound. I get wound. I guess that was um, comes from uh, on English warships when a when a man would disobey and he was flogged. They would put salt in the wounds to cleanse it afterwards, so he wouldn't uh, um, get infected. So it's it was used as an antiseptic agent and. I think yeah, even in Ezekiel, it talks about um, washing babies in a, in a solution of salt or salt water. It says, uh, And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee, thou wast not salted at all. Um, so salt has a huge significance, and we've lost some of that today. It's pretty, have it on our tables, and we eat probably too much of it if we're Americans, but um, but when we when we read how Scripture uses salt, we often don't think about the way we don't often don't think about salt the way they did in that time, um, because it was such an integral part of their lives. It was it was valued. It um, I mean it was harder to come by, but it also had so many uses um, that it just was a huge part of their life. So they understood the value of it, whereas in nowadays, sometimes when you mention salt, it's thought of negatively, <clears throat> like that salty person, you know, that kind of grates on you. So salt is good, and it's a tool, and it's a gift from God. So it has, and it has, it's had huge significance in, um, through, down through the ages, and now in our more sanitized age, um, we kind of lose this, lose the sight of that, but we shouldn't lose sight of the benefit of salt to our souls, um, in a spiritual sense. <clears throat> so now I want to look at what does Paul mean when he speaks here? Um, let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt. Why does salt have the significance and why, why use salt in this context? Um, 
And I'd say it's because of the significance in the terms of the gospel. So it teaches us things about the gospel. So I want to look at how salt teaches us about the gospel. So let's turn to Leviticus 12, or sorry, Leviticus 2, verse 12. <clears throat> This is in the part about the meat offerings um, of the law, or not the law, the, uh, so the first part was about burning incense or burning sacrifices, I think, and then this part's about the meat offerings offered to the Lord at the tabernacle. So Leviticus 2, 12 and 13, as for the oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat, thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. So God, in his telling the children of Israel how to make sacrifice, he prescribes that all offerings have, all meat offerings have salt. Um, which I thought was, I didn't really... That hadn't stood out to me, so I thought that was interesting that all meat offerings had salt. Um, And so the the offerings were to signify to Israel how to be reconciled with God. These sacrifices of atonement were signifying the need for a substitute to die in their stead, um, a need for a vicarious death. Um, But in all those offerings, they must include salt. And that's, and everything in the Bible is there to teach something, so that's there to teach something. So it's not haphazard, and it's not just like, oh, by the way, let's just do this because of some tradition or because uh, anything like that. It's, it has a message behind it. So if I understand correctly, the temple and the tabernacle both had rooms that were set aside for the very purpose of just storing salt. So the priests could have access to salt because they needed it in their daily offerings. Basically some salt storage rooms. <clears throat> now I want to turn to Second Chronicles thirteen five. <clears throat> Back in Leviticus it said something about the salt of the covenant of thy God, and we're going to look at another covenant that has salt in it. In Second Chronicles thirteen verse five. <clears throat> ought ye um, ought ye to ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom of Israel o, kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt. It's another mention of salt that didn't never really stood out to me, but what's a what's a covenant of salt? How do you have a covenant of salt? <clears throat> what is it signifying? Or what's the significance and what is being taught by it? <clears throat> I mean, back in Leviticus it said something about a covenant of salt also. So here he's speaking of the covenant made with David that 
the, that, uh, where God promised that his sons and his descendants would reign on the throne forever. Um, and it was in that language and in that covenant um, we get kind of a primary significance of Saul in the terms of Scripture and how it relates to, uh, see if I can say this word right, perpetuity, which I had to look that up too because I found that, I don't know. And synonyms for it would be endless or permanence or permanency, imperishability, inf- infinity, timelessness, time without end, and all time. So salt gives, um, we get kind of a, a picture of endlessness or timelessness when he says, because if you think about the way the people in old times would look at salt, it preserves for a long period of time. So it'd give, uh, and it also had value. So, um, so that's the preserving influence of salt, and it is used to signify the timelessness as you would take meat or something else and pack it in salt, salt to preserve it, it. It goes on for a long time. But here it's used to signify that God's covenant will be perpetual and without end with David. Um, and so when we read here in Second Chronicles about a covenant with David, that his, him and his sons... Uh, would rule over the kingdom of Israel forever, or on his throne, I should say. Um, we know that's a picture of Christ reigning on the throne. So uh, let me find my spot in my notes here. I kind of lost myself. So when we read, we're being reminded of the fact that there's a coming, a son of David who will reign perpetually on the throne of David, which son, as we all know, is Jesus Christ and the fulfillment in our Lord and Savior. And so in speaking in this language, we understand that salt is pointing forward to the preserving or perpetual aspect. It is pointing forward so we understand God's covenant and God's word because it is ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ forever. <clears throat> so we're seeing the significance of it in the terms of the gospel because really that is the gospel, is Jesus Christ. Um, so... That, and that is a gospel significance. God's promise that he is promised in, promising in his word, whether it be by the sacrifices, which all had salt, or all offered with salt, that's being, uh, sorry, this is the part I was afraid that would get kind of confusing in trying to just put it out there. So, <clears throat> so I... I guess kind of to sum that part up is what's being said is that there's that he is keeping his word that there's a perpetual promise that is foundational and what's uh, and that's what's going on when we offer or when they would sacrifice to him it was uh, basically God was saying that these things are true his promises are true they're perpetual they're without end they won't change and nothing and it won't be altered or different God is consistent in what he offers to us sinners <clears throat> there will be a sacrifice for sinners of perpetual significance for the cleansing of our sins perpetually. And there will be a king who will reign in behalf of his people perpetually. And so when you start thinking about salt on those terms, you can't think about salt without thinking about Christ because Christ is a fulfillment of, of that 
promise of fulfilling um, his kingdom and being a sacrifice for our sins. I kind of have a comparison. I mean, often we consider um, what the Bible says about being the light of the world. And we all know that when it says we're the light of the world, we don't think we're the light of the world. Um, but we know it goes back to Jesus Christ and him uh, living through us and reflecting to the world around us. Um, so there's something tied into that and in that we understand that Christ is the light and we reflect that light that he, can I say, reflects of his father perfectly. Um, and so it is with salt. Salt is something that tells us about our Lord Jesus Christ. Light tells us about Christ, and salt would also tell us about Christ. Um, that his sacrifice is of perpetual significance, that it will always be that which we can lean upon. We'll never have to go get to a point where we're wondering, well, I've exhausted the power of the blood shed for me, so now I need to go find a different Redeemer. You'll never, you'll never come to that point. Um, or we won't need another promise or anything else that's perpetual. Our access to God is on the basis of Christ perpetually paying for our sins. <clears throat> so back more to um, Colossians 4. Um, <clears throat> and it's talking about our speech. It says, let our speech... Okay. thought I was missing a page in my notes, but here it is still. Let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. So this, this, this section I've titled, The Speech of Salt. So taking what we've learned so far about salt and its profitability preserving aspects, purifying aspects, and ultimately, really, it's, it's gospel aspects. So applying that to our speech, when we talk to others, it says, because um, this is how we ought to answer every man. So our speech should be also be profitable like salt. Um, our speech of grace is to be profitable. Like salt, this is what people are paid in. The value of this can't be ignored. And so when we Christians speak to others or speak amongst ourselves, we need to speak with profit, profitable things. We're to contribute words that build up, that um, have value to them, and that help, um, whether it's a believer or an unbeliever. We need to speak things of truth and that... Um, they can grow by um, whether it's speaking to someone with joy or whether it be to someone in sorrow um, old or young our speech matters and our words are to be ruled by grace or to say it another word another way ruled by salt is profitable just as salt is profitable so we need to be our speech needs to be profitable to one another and our speech needs to also be preserving. Um, it should have a preserving influence on the souls of men. Um, and this is when you warn someone, you know, don't go that way or don't go this way. It's, a big, it's also a big part of parenting. Is uh, Our speech is preserving. Um, it's instructing our little ones. This is what you should do or this is what you shouldn't do. And the reasons behind it. 
<clears throat> the book of Proverbs is all about um, preserving speech. It tells lots of things that preserve our lives um, and our relationship with God if we obey them. So when we speak as a Christian, it is to preserve, not to provoke. And this is what we do when we speak the gospel. We're endeavoring to preserve men's souls. Um, That soul that will live in perpetuity, all time, timeless, either in God's heaven or God's hell. That's a pretty... um, sobering fact that each person we interact with and talk to has an eternal destiny in one place or the other. It's actually kind of the whole context of this verse in Colossians 4. It's Paul, he's in prison, and he's telling the, the or sorry, in uh, Colossians, he's telling the Colossians to pray for him that even in prison, you'd have a door of utterance to speak to souls so that they can be saved. So he finds himself in prison, but he's asking, he's not focusing on that. He's asking the Colossians to pray that he can have um, preserving uh, speech with those that he comes in contact with, even in prison. He doesn't talk about the weather or current political issues or uh, how well Caesar's doing as a ruler, or but he's presenting them with the gospel to preserve their souls for eternity. <clears throat> so my other point is our speech is to be purifying. So just like salt purifies um, and cleanses, so our speech should. Us husbands are called to wash or cleanse our wives in the water of uh, the word. The influence of the word in our speech and the things that we say to one another should purify one another, should help the saints to be cleansed and to be washed and renewed. That's a lot of power in speech. My other point is our speech is to bring forth the gospel. Uh, Most of all, and that's most of all, our speech is supposed to bring grace. Most of all, our speech of grace is to be the gospel, the good news. So given the symbol of salt back in the time and the relation to the sacrifice and the way uh, there was a covenant of salt made with David, it's in essence really, it's, it's almost like there's gospel significance put on salt. So... Where to be seasoned with salt means our speech is to bring forth the gospel. Where uh, we are to be talking about Christ. We're to be talking about the one sacrificed for our sins forever. Uh, we're to be talking about the, the way of reconciliation. The way of forgiveness. We're putting before our family and those in our uh, different spheres of influence the gospel. We're At work we're presenting the gospel when we're at the park, we're presenting the gospel. When we're canoeing in the boundary waters, we're presenting the gospel. It's the seasoning of Christ. 
it's bringing Christ into the conversation when you're talking with somebody. <clears throat> I know someone that does that quite often, and it's a blessing. Just He'll just be talking about everyday things, and he'll just interject in there like, you know, just had to thank Jesus for giving me this opportunity, even though it might not even seem like that much of an opportunity, but he just... He brings Christ into the conversation, um, and it's helping people understand as they face trials that um, Christ can take care of whatever they have, maybe not take it away, but he can be with them through the trial. Um, in First Peter 2, we see an example of this where Peter brings Christ into the conversation. He seasons his speech with the gospel. So First Peter 2.23 says, Who then... Who, sorry, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to them that judge righteously. He brought Christ and what Christ's example into what he was trying to explain. He says what Christ would do. <clears throat> so we need to find ways to season our speech with the gospel. Telling people about the glories of the gospel and what Christ has done and to show forth and tell and communicate our Lord Jesus Christ. So kind of in closing, um, as Christians, is our speech seasoned with salt? Are you seasoned with salt? Am I seasoned with salt? And this is what we need every morning, fresh seasoning. <clears throat> we don't want to be that salt that's lost its savor. It says it's good for nothing. And sadly, that's what many Christians can become and uh, where sadly I find myself sometimes losing my savor plenty salty can I say but no flavor <clears throat> it doesn't actually benefit So if we're not shining as light or we're not salty and we've lost our savor or flavor, what's the use or what's the point? If we aren't, if we aren't can I say, seasoning those around us and um, helping to purify them and uh, helping to preserve them and being profitable to them, there's really no point. It's just living life day to day with no, can I say, end goal. So as fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and young people and children, and uh, we need to be seasoned with salt every morning. We need a fresh seasoning and the, and the aroma of Christ, the indwelling spirit, and the fullness of God's power in our lives so that we can be potent, not just salty, but all these things profitable and purifying. <clears throat> so every morning we need a little more salt added to us. And we get that as we pray and read the word. And that's, that's our fresh seasoning. That's where we get that fresh freshening and that uh, fresh seasoning. Souls are perishing all around us. I was... I get emails 
<clears throat> from the Iowa DOT whenever there's a traffic accident that um, I forget it has to be a certain category or whatever, but um, it amazes me how many people die in car accidents in Iowa every month. And just this month, there's been a lot of them. Um, it's kind of interesting to see the trend, and it's does that does the impact of reading about souls perishing around me really touch my heart like it should? <clears throat> People around us are going through trials that maybe we have no idea of, and we have the opportunity to let our speech be seasoned with salt. All those different aspects. Um, these are opportunities and they're open doors and they're ways uh, to influence those around us. <clears throat> but we must be seasoned with salt to do it so that we have salt to give in our speech. So may the Lord give us fresh seasoning this morning that we can spread his gospel and his good news to others.